But it's very rare that we have a Hall of Fame baseball person on who just went in last summer. It's a good thing it was last summer because he probably wouldn't have been able to go to Cooperstown this summer. That's right. Or anywhere else for that matter. And I want to know the question when I ask Jason Stark, who joins us right now, when you sign now, like your books or whatever you have out there, do you put the <laughs> HOF on H -O -F, there, Jason? HOF, baby. Do you put HOF on anything you sign now, including your checks? <laughs> I, I do not. I, I've been instructed or begged by some people at times to put HOF on there. So if they ask me to, I will. But I'm not really an HOF-like you know, Mickey Mel's an HOF. Yes, you are. You're in the same Hall of Fame. You go into Cooperstown. <laughs> Did they have a separate? I know it's a separate oh, wing. Maybe he puts JGTS for JG Taylor Spink. That's the award, right? Uh, yeah, I've put I've put 2019 Spink Award. I've written that in there. Yeah, but not like, the Scipio Spink though. 500 home runs fewer than a lot of these guys. I'm pretty aware of that. Jason, it's great to talk to you. You know, we go way, way back. In the early days when we were doing dumb TV shows and stuff like that, <laughs> and you were a great writer, and, and everybody knows, and everybody who's read you, not just because, in, because I know you because you're from Philly, but your Sunday columns in the Inquirer, and then you later continued that on at ESPN and, and newspapers around the world. Now you're with The Athletic, of course. That baseball column on Sunday, I think all the great work you did, that had to help continue to notch your, your, your legacy as a Hall of Fame. I'm not, I'm not joking. I mean, your legacy is to get into the Hall of Fame, you have a body of work. You know, we talk about players, you know, are they a Hall of Fame or not? That column had to help you get into the Hall of Fame because of the recognition from the entire baseball world over that column that was written in a local newspaper. Tony, I appreciate that, man. It's, you know, it's 20 years since I was writing that thing for the Inquirer, and the fact that you're still talking about it means you must be right. Well, that's when everybody actually got the Sunday paper and sat down and opened up the paper and right. had breakfast and read all the columns. Yeah, it's like a tradition. All. It was a tradition. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you guys. I feel like I just got in a time machine and I transported back 20 years. Like, I, I, this alternative universe we're living in is crazy. Like, you turn on the TV and Jack Nicholas is winning the Masters. <laughs> <laughs> turn on the MLB Network and look who's coming up. It's Kirk Gibson. What decade is this, man? Well, we're not running the uh, the best uh, the, uh, the what was the the local show? Not the best damn sports show. The one oh, the great, to, sports, the debate? great sports debate. Oh, yeah. Al Morgani and you had mullets, and yeah, I had like the skullet. I had no hair, and, and Angelo still looks the same. But they, I mean, you know, you had a little mullet going, but you had the tight oh, curls God. though too, Jason. The tight curls I, always work, man. I, I had the fro, I had the stash. I was way out of control. Uh, Jason, I watched the uh, Game Seven, Jack Morris, John Smoltz from I think what was it, ninety one? Ninety one. I watched. Too, I watched it from start to finish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, it's where we are. I, yeah. I watched three hours of Vince Scully doing Kirk Gibson last night. Uh, uh. It was a Kirk Gibson game, but it was like a Vince Scully concert. So cool to hear that guy. Now, obviously, we all are waiting for baseball, and there's so much talk out there. And, you know, we've heard about the Arizona plan, and, and now you have, you know, Zach Wheeler, and we're talking about uh, players not saying that. If we go back and they want to put us in quarantine and go to Arizona and play these games, when my wife's due, I'm going to go out there, and I want to be with my wife for the birth of my child. What's the latest that you're hearing on all this? Because the Arizona thing seems to be the one that has the most legs. Is that is that possible? Is that likely? Uh, I mean, it it's possible. How likely it is is not up to you, me, Harry, 
or even Rob Manfred. I think it's up to the virus, and nobody knows where that is going. Now, I mean, we've had these two plans that have been kind of floating out there for the last couple of weeks. One is uh, Bob Nightingale's Florida-Arizona scenario, where you have a grapefruit league and a cactus league, and I don't get the sense that that's got any traction at all. I, I mean, there might have been some brainstorming about that, but I don't. From what I'm hearing, there really hasn't been any digging in on that one. Now, the Arizona plan, they've done a lot of legwork on, but that's really about all we can say about it. Uh, like, everything that you heard comes down to either hoping or planning, and they're doing a lot of both, but we're a long way from making either one happen. Well, does it... Uh how did you react? I, I guess I should I should ask when Dr. Fauci basically said that he could foresee base or baseball or sports coming back in these sort of uh, bubble type situation. When a guy like that says it, uh, did did that give you some optimism that this might actually happen uh, before next year? I, you know what it said to me? They've actually asked him about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I know, I know that they've consulted with with government officials. I'm going to guess now. He was one of them. Mm -hmm. You know, some of that is logical. Well, I just look at where we are. What are the odds that any sport's coming back to play in front of actual people? That's not even an option. So if you're going to play with no fans and you can't travel, what's the only road to having a season, to playing at all? It's to explore something like this. And so that's why they're exploring it. But, you know, you, you, you touched on this, uh, Mike Trout, Zach Wheeler. There, I would say there's three categories of objection, and that's one of them. Can you really convince players to leave their families four and a half months or more during a pandemic? I, I don't know about that. So that's one of those categories. Uh, the second is obviously health, and not just the health of players. I mean, we're talking about thousands of people, like several thousand people under that biodome. When you add in coaches, umpires, hotel workers, bus drivers, everybody's got to be under the biodome or it doesn't work. Is that feasible? Can you keep people healthy if that's the way you're going to go? And then the third thing, it always comes down to money, right? Like the, the owners have made it clear, although they haven't negotiated this, you know, you're going to play games with no fans. There's going to be next to no revenues, so they would expect players to work for next to no salary, minuscule percentages of their salary. So is everybody going to buy in? What do you think? Everybody? Every player? Every team? They all have to buy in or you can't do it. Mm -hmm. No, I hear you, Jason, and it's a great question, and it's a great thought because, yeah, Mike Trout's Trout's the best player in baseball. So when he goes and says, hey, i got to go home and be with my family, but we're we're talking now, even if we're, let's say July, because we're still in the middle of April. So say July, all these tests now, there's tests every single day being developed. You know, for the ones, the baseball teams, we were talking to John Clark here about what some of the Phillies are doing with their employees, testing the antibodies. So every day there's a different lab that's putting out a different test. And again, I'm not saying the fans are going to be back, but there could be, you know, as fast as things are developing right now, say by the end of July, because baseball doesn't have to play 182 games. They don't have to worry about 
you know, finishing the season at the end of October, going into November, if they have to play in a, in a good weather place where you don't worry about the conditions, you don't foresee in any way that something could happen where at least the players and the people around them, the camera people, will be safe enough to go out and play games? I definitely foresee a way because this ain't happening unless they're assured by health officials mm-hmm. that it's doable that they can do it and keep people healthy. Um, you know, I mentioned they've been in touch with, with the government, with different agencies of the government. Now it looks like they've been in touch with Dr. Fauci. That's encouraging. And, you know, you talk about the testing, Tony. I, I, I've heard people say this, that they, ha- that they actually had this hope that they could even potentially provide a model for how to start reopening society, where you're going to test everyone regularly and repeatedly so you'll know who can safely be allowed to emerge from isolation. It's what baseball is looking at. It's what society is looking at. How doable any of it is, uh, you know, at this point, I, I, I should have gone to medical school. I just can't tell you. <laughs> no, you wouldn't have been in the Hall of Fame then. Come on, Jason. You chose the right course. Just because it's all over now, I mean, at least we've had good careers. <laughs> had a good run. Yeah, I feel better now, Tony. Thanks. <laughs> Jason Stark from The Athletic joining us at Jason ST on Twitter. And I know you did a great piece in The Athletic on this about, you know, just if we do bring baseball back in these bubbles, there won't be any crowd. And about yeah. the difference between, you know, what happened with 9-11 and just the role of the crowd uh, that – you know, it was just really part of it, and I don't, I don't think, you know, you could ever repeat that, you know, again, you know, with how much the audience really played into the return of baseball. Well, you guys know this because you're fans, because you love it. And, um, you, you know, my favorite thing about my job is when I'm sitting in a stadium where the home team just wants something because it's not just what happened, it's how it sounds. It's the, that feeling in the building. That's what makes sports great. It's the shared experience, that, the way we share it with each other in a way that we don't share anything else in life anymore. So sports is really the last unifying force in American life. And so, you know, that, that piece that you referred to, Harry, I, I look back at the Mike Piazza game, the, mm-hmm. uh, the first sporting event in New York after 9-11 back in 2001. And one of the people I talked to was John Sherholtz. He said something amazing to me. Now, John Sherholtz was a Hall of Fame executive. And he said never in his life has he ever cheered for being beaten but he did that night. He cheered for that Mike Piazza homer because that was the way he said that game needed to end for the healing of the nation and for the healing of New York. And so let me ask you, let, suppose that game is played with no fans. I mean, same stadium, same team, same rivalry, same pennant race situation, same Outcome, same Mike Piazza home run. Do you think if there's no one there, the 
John Sherlock gets so caught up in that moment, he's cheering for the game losing homer? <laughs> no way. No, I no way. And you can see it. You can see it, Jason, when you watch the late night shows where the comedians are standing there telling jokes, and there's no reaction. There's no audience interaction. Yeah. Everything we're watching on television. You can't do shows. You can't do well. You can do movies. There's no audience involved, and they're not doing those either. But the daily things that we watch that require studio audiences for interaction are not there anymore, and they fall flat, and it's hard for the talent to actually get up for that kind of mm-hmm. stuff because you're relying on the feedback. There's no comedy sh- shows are open because, you know, you, don't have a, you can't have a comedian doing stand-up with nobody in the crowd. So <laughs> imagine sports. You're absolutely right about sports. It's the, it, it, and playing games in an empty stadium, regular season games, maybe they can get away with it. When you talk about playoffs and things of that magnitude, I don't know how you replace that. Yeah, have you seen the, the video of Taiwan? The game yes. in yes. Taiwan. Yeah, where they're putting with mannequins in the, the in cardboard cutout yeah. and the robots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I asked somebody at MLB what their robot budget was. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah, but so. but they do have dugout dancers though, Jason. Exactly. Which, you know that's a plus. Well, let's keep perspective. <laughs> I mean, let's look at all the other people affected. The fanatic. Right. You know all these great mascots, the mascots. around. Them. What are they going to do now? They can't even go out and do birthday parties or sweet sixteens or bar mitzvahs. Yeah. You know that that that, that column I wrote. There's amazing reader comments, and people were saying, you know what? Like we'll we'll find ways to cheer because we need it. And I, I you know, I, I've seen these scenes of New Yorkers cheering out their window for healthcare workers every right, night. First and that, that's cool. Yeah. But I, if Mike Piazza hits that homer and people start cheering out their window, you know, in your cul-de-sac. <laughs> like, tell me it means the same. It just, there's an emptiness about it that's just not the same. And I'm saying that as a guy who misses baseball, would love to watch and follow it again. But it, it just, it's like watching a sitcom with a laugh track. Hmm. That's just not the same. The great Jason Stark. Now, you know, everybody's trying to cheer each other. We're not trying to bring each other down. Everybody's looking for positives. That's why we're having fun, as I always have on this show. You know, th- what do you talk about? I mean, I get a job in sports radio. I joked about it when we started this last week. I'm the only guy that got a job doing sports when there's no sports, no sports. to talk about <laughs> last week. So, I mean, you talk about an upside-down world, man. <laughs> Charismatic are you, huh? <laughs> You're employable. <laughs> I haven't been employable for years, but now all of a sudden there's no sports, and I'm like the first guy they hire. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Huh? You said it. We're all mixed up. <laughs> now, but it's great to be back on nationally and have people listen all over the country. And it's, you know, because I've been around a long time. You've been around a long time. And, and that's what it's all about, what we do. You know, people appreciate what you do. I goof off a lot and have fun on the radio. And some people still like that because I try to be the same as I've always been. And, but, you know, we just try to make people happy. And, yeah. and, and you know, you have, you have to have the content to make people happy. And in sports, you know, luckily we don't have to have all the content. We can talk about things that are going on behind the scenes, ways that we're looking for this to end, hoping that it's going to end. But for you, this is your life. You can write great columns about it. But about going forward without sports, he needs for games any, for any yeah. foreseeable future. How harder is that going to be, even for a Hall of Fame writer like you, Jason? Seriously. <laughs> oh, I, I, you know, I'll think of something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> write a book. Another book. It's part of the deal. You know, it's just part of what we do. Um, there are still people who care about sports. You know, like I, you still hear from people on Twitter who wonder why you're tweeting about sports. 
why we're talking about sports. You know why? People still care about it. And it's our job to connect with those people in whatever way we can. And that still matters because sports still matters. It matters even when it's not there. We're telling different stories than we would like to be telling. That doesn't mean there's not an importance to telling those stories. So, Tony, Harry, I am planning to tell them. That's what I'm going to do. No, exactly. You know, you're, awesome. you're well qualified to do this. You could, as Harry said, you could write books and you have. Right. So, you know, we could talk about this. Will be, how many books will be written about this pandemic and yeah. what it did to sports? We talk about, yeah. you know, eras in sports history, the Black Sox scandal, the Pete Rose, the steroid scandal, the dead ball, the live ball, the juice ball, the juice players. Now this. How many books will be written about this, Jason? <laughs> um, if you're offering me a, an advance, I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, this is, um, this is, every day it feels like you're living inside a novel. You know, I just, I, it's just hard. It's so surreal to think that this is where we are. But this is where all of us are. And that's, that's the one thing that I think gets us through it is it's not just, a, you know, somebody here and somebody there who's experiencing this. It's everybody. And there's just the full range of human experience. Uh, it, it, it all encapsulated in one in one moment in time, and we're living it, man. Uh, I just I look around every day, and I just I, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Hey, Jason, all these athletes have an expiration date, and uh, Father Time never loses. Is there a player or two that you could think of that you're sitting there saying, "Hey, if this season doesn't ever come about, that this could be the end for this guy or that guy." You know, maybe they're well, looking for one last. It, it, you know, it, you know, this is not a player, but Ken Rosenthal just wrote about this guy, Dusty Baker. Oh yeah. Dusty Baker got a one-year contract to manage the Astros at 70 years old. Uh, in a in a in a year where you know they needed a steadying hand, and. I think everybody looks at it as Dusty's last chance, including Dusty. Hmm. So what happens if there's no baseball till 2021? Is Dusty ever going to get another managing job? Is he going to be the manager of the Astros in a year? I mean, they're, they're, like this, that part of it is, is not sports. Mm-hmm. That's real life. And uh, Dusty's never won. This might be his last chance ever to win. Um, I don't know. These are, the, these are the kinds of things I can't get out of my mind. No, I agree with you. And the, I guess for the Astro fans, at least they get a reprieve. Will it build back up if they wait till next year to have baseball? Will the fans still have that same vitriol wanting to throw at every Astros player when they finally come back <laughs> a year later? Will there be fans? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, we were going you know, we to set a record for trash can lid sales this year. I don't think <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I, I've often thought that this story was not going away. It was just on intermission. But now I'm just starting to wonder um, if they come back and there's no fans and the Astros are great post, post-cheating, post post-suspensions, post-A.J. Inch and Jeff Luno. 
maybe when they finally let people back in the seats, we'll look at them differently. We're going to look at everything else differently, aren't we? Absolutely. The great Jason Sark. We'll never look at him differently. The pride of Lincoln High School. Another one of us. You're a Northeast guy. I'm a South Philly guy, so we really never liked it. Didn't Eston go to Lincoln High School, too? He went to Northeast. No, yeah, he went Eston to Northeast. did not go to Lincoln High School. Sylvester Stallone went to Lincoln High School. Exactly though. right. It's amazing how many, how many Philly connections we have on I the know. show. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, what a coincidence. Yeah, I think not. The great Jason Stark. He's a Hall of Famer. I got to get you to sign one of your books with the HOF. When you sign one of one of your books, I want the damn HOF in there. I'm not going to settle for non-HOF signatures from Jason Stark from now on. Tony, for you, anything, my friend. <laughs> Jason, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thanks, really Jason. appreciate it. Hey, re- really glad you guys are back, and uh, thanks for bringing a little joy in all our lives. <laughs> as well, as much as we can. Thanks, as Jason. As much as we can, exactly. Appreciate thanks. it. Let's give him a roaring round of applause, Harry. The yeah, great Jason. Absolutely. Stark.